I'll probably need to get a sifter and put the salt in the sifter and then dust it on my toast. And I've got better things to do. Hello, my dear friends, and welcome to another episode of the Painting Pictures Podcast. It is I, Gabriel Roberts, and I'm coming to you from Carmichael, California, where it is still pretty cold, and um, I'm actually feeling cold right now. I'm wearing long underwear, wool socks, pants, um, a t-shirt, a long sleeve flannel-ish shirt. I mean, it's it's cotton, but it's, you know, it's got some thickness to it. And a hooded sweatshirt. Now, I guess what I'm going to do is I'm going to put my hood on because um, I'm going to tighten up the strings just a little bit because um, I've just got to do everything I can to get a little bit warmer. Um, so what you're going to get here is a a cold podcast and it's going to be me feeling cold and we'll see how that plays out. Um, it might be a little tenser overall. I might be a little less friendly asshole. (laughs) Um, but we'll, we'll see how it goes. I woke up this morning and I... Um, I, I was groggy after, uh, uh, 10 hours of sleep. That's right. 10 hours of sleep. I went to bed a little after nine o'clock. I reckon I was asleep by nine thirty, or at least by nine thirty-five. Uh, I woke up once at four thirty in the morning and... Um, was relieved to find that I was not lying in a in a puddle of my own urine, because I had been dreaming about peeing, and uh, nine times out of ten, when uh, when I dream about peeing, <laughs> I I am peeing, <laughs> and I wake up to find a little bit of moisture in the old bed, but somehow. Well, let well, let's let's go a little deeper, shall we? Um, I have dreamed about peeing and woken up like right in the middle of a dream of peeing, and and found myself not peeing, but sort of like about to pee. I think, and then I get up and go to the bathroom. But this was remarkable because in the dream I peed. Um, I was peeing into this strange. Uh, it was a swing. I I haven't I didn't write this down, so this is the first time I've recounted it to myself, and uh, it sounds pretty weird. So I just want to 
preface it by saying again this is this was a dream um this didn't actually happen uh i was peeing in this bathroom now this guy he didn't this guy it was at like a convenience store basically and me and and a few other people had bought a bunch of sandwiches and eaten them at this little table outside on the sidewalk and then we'd gone somewhere and then I'd come back and asked if I could use the bathroom. And he said, no, the bathroom's for customers only. And I was like, well, we just spent like $45 on sandwiches. I, and now I'm back. And he's like, well, that, that, that was a long time ago. Now you're here and you haven't bought anything. And I said something like, uh, that isn't how it works here. And, um, and that was rude because I was implying that because he was an immigrant, he didn't know the rules of, of the country. And he called me out on it pretty directly, um, saying like, you mean <laughs> as in here, as in this country? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then I felt bad. Anyway, I, um. I guess I went back later in the dream and bought something so that I could use this restroom and, and, and then I used the restroom and it was like a very large restroom. Um, and the thing he peed in was <laughs> a swing, a, a, a big swing suspended from the ceiling, uh, that had sort of like some absorbent cloths in it. So I was just like peeing on the cloths. And the swing was sort of swaying back and forth. And I was kind of watching and, you know, hoping that there wasn't going to be any splash happening. Anyway, so that was my dream. And um, and I woke up. The, the dream went on and on. There was more. There was some cornhole involved. Um, and I woke up. And uh, and I, I hadn't peed my pants and I was I was really pleased and um, I got up and I went to the bathroom so it wasn't point is it wasn't 10 solid hours of sleep it was 10 hours of sleep minus however long it took me to get up go to the bathroom get back in bed and go back to sleep but that's a lot of sleep okay that is a lot of sleep and I uh, I needed every minute of it um last night I, I was out until um past dark stuffing branches into green waste containers which uh is there's something of a science to it and um and I I should probably make a how to video of this but I I've never seen people properly load a green waste bin with branches uh generally what they do is they they just grab the branches and they start stuffing them in willy-nilly and then maybe they'll get uh, a stool and get in the, the can or they'll boost a small child up into the can and have them jump up and down and try to tamp it down and then they stuff more in. Well, that you're, you're going to, you're going to use, you're, you're going to get about 25% of the branches in that can, uh, out of what you could get in that can if you use the right strategy. So, so what you want to do, this is, um, if you've got branches is you want to grasp them um, by the, the thick end, so the end that they were cut off with, and that end you're going to take and jam down straight down to the bottom of the can. 
and you will, of course, be left with a, a bit of the branch sticking up out of the can. And go ahead and ignore that for now and continue jamming branches one by one or two by two or three by three if you can get them in a good tight bunch. You take them and you just jam them down in the can. You want to get them down all the way till it makes that thump where it hits the bottom of the can. And you can work your way around the can, jamming in until it's tight. This tightly packed uh, mass of branches, and they're all standing straight up. And then you've got, you know, a few feet of, of madness protruding above the can. And then what you do is you take some loppers or some uh, shears, depending on the, the diameter of the branches that you have to cut, and you simply work around at the level of the top of the can and you trim it all off like a nice big haircut. It's really fun. And, um, and then if you're, you know, if you're really going all the way on this strategy, if you really need to maximize space and you have hours and hours to commit to this activity, then you can grab the, uh, the cutoff branches and, and do the same thing where you stuff them down. Um, otherwise you can just sort of, th that'll be smaller stuff that at that point you can pack on top, find a little gap and, and mash down into the can. But I got rid of so many branches yesterday. Um, and I got the, we have one green waste bin. Uh, I got two green waste bins from my neighbor and they were full of leaves and I emptied those leaves in our backyard and then filled them up, filled her bins up with, uh, with branches. And God, it was just so satisfying because I started out with this mass of, of tangled branches from the, uh, cutting back I did last week. I trimmed back a forsythia bush that hadn't been cut back in years. Cut it all the way back. I also removed a privet. I have talked about privets before on this podcast. Okay, I know you all remember the Privet Warrior podcast. Um, they are quite an amazing little plant, and uh, I had to fight real good to get this, this privet out. Um, and I was able to dispose of all of those yard clippings. That's, that's, the, that's the moral of the story, is I was able to dispose of all of those branches without taking a load to the dump. Um, and it just took about three hours. <laughs> Just about three hours of, of cutting and and smashing and sticking uh, branches into cans. I had a whole operation going out there. Dark uh, was fall, night was falling, and I was shifting cans around and tucking loads of branches and jamming them into cans and snipping off the tops and unloading cans of leaves in the backyard. And uh, I felt so satisfied. <laughs> And so happy in that work. Um, and I even got a few bewildered glances from neighbors or people driving by. And it made me realize something. And that is, there is uh, there are very few things more satisfying to me than um, a bewildered or even slightly disapproving look from a stranger. Um, especially here in suburbia where I feel that most people here live, let's say, uh, small and uh, stable lives. 
Now, that's that's a gross generalization. I know everybody has their own shit that they deal with, but by and large, the environment here in suburbia is fairly static, and you don't see a whole lot of unexpected things. And so um, when people do see unexpected things, they're often quite confused, and it gives me such great satisfaction and joy to be the source of some confusion in this neighborhood. I got to uh, continue the confusion this morning as I rumbled the large green waste can down the street and up into my backyard. I didn't even ask. Um, I had asked my neighbor yesterday because I saw her. I was prepared to, uh, you know, I wasn't like surreptitiously taking them away, but it was 7.30 in the morning. A lot of people were still in bed. And um, I just figured, you know, this is a can of, of leaves that you're putting out to be taken away. Uh, what does it matter to you if, if it's picked up by the, the truck or if it's picked up by me? And so I collected, let's see, two, including the two from last night, We've got two, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten cans. These now these are the large rubberized plastic green waste bins on wheels. I collected no less than ten of them, wheeled them down the street, up our driveway, into the backyard, where I dumped them in this massive, beautiful pile that I shall post a picture of so you can all admire. My beautiful, warm, sweet-smelling pile of leaves um, that I collected this morning. And it was, um, it, it's just incredibly, it's just incredibly satisfying. I, I And it, it boggles my mind um, when I see how beautiful and rich this stuff is. That it is being shipped out. I, I, I know that this sort of beautiful leaf matter is uh is is valuable is incredibly valuable and I, I I felt like as I was doing it that these um this whole green waste bin thing now that's a that was a new thing and it it was it was along with the mixed recyclables and um all of a sudden we got new bins one day before it was just we had garbage bins and then I think that we had like egg crates that we would put glass bottles in or plastic bottles in and set them out or we would have to take them to recycling center and then they introduced the uh the mixed recyclables where suddenly you have a massive bin that you can just throw all of your recyclables in and um and then they also said here look you have a green waste bin that you can put your your green waste in now, both of those seemed like revolutions to the suburban homeowner, but to me, they now seem pretty fishy. Now, the recyclables, we know that uh, the mixed recyclables is, um, they're just taken to China. And they're probably, they're like sold to China. They're taken down to a port in San Francisco and loaded up on massive barges and taken over to China. And I don't know how much China pays us for this stuff. Maybe they just cover the fuel <laughs> of the barges that take them over. Um, but I don't know. Something about that seems wrong to me. And then you've got the green waste, which says on the label, grass, comma, 
leaves, uh, comma, yard trimmings only in, in big letters. Now, it's no coincidence that they put grass and leaves on there first because that is the best stuff. That is the absolute top-rate, top-notch mulch. Um, and, and even better is the, the leaf grass mixture that is the result of a, a fall lawn mowing and um and they brought these bins out because they know that they people have trees and lawns and are, are the, the nature is producing this beautiful mulch and they're just like why don't we just put out a bin that they fill it up with the, that stuff and then we'll we'll come around and collect it so i don't know what they're doing they're probably having lavish compost parties somewhere in Sacramento County where all these beautiful bins are going and they just have this beautiful mound of sweet-smelling, warm compost and all these assholes are just frolicking in it, rubbing it all over themselves, having a grand old time and, and laughing at the, the fools that, that happily give them their leaves every week. Well... Around here, they're not getting them, <laughs> at least not in my little vicinity. And, and this is the second week in a row, and, and, and sadly, it'll be the last week for a long time that I've gotten to do this collection. Um, but it sure felt good, and our yard is now uh, home to a beautiful mound of leaves. We'll get to mulch. And uh, I, I dream of the day when... People all have their own leaf piles, okay? Their own compost. It's not far off. It's not far off, and um, it'll, that'll that'll be a happy day. Um, I guess I should just tell you the the basics again. My name's Gabriel. I'm an artist. I'm briefly touching down in, in, in my childhood home of Sacramento, California. Preparing for departure, I'm one week away from leaving this place behind for a long time. I'm preparing for Bolivia, where I'll be for a three-month artist residency program. Um, I'm measuring the inside of my suitcase to figure out how big my paint box can be. Um, getting ready to, getting ready to do this thing. Um, and I'm really glad that I'm down to one week to go because now there's a lot less, uh, confusion over what I should be doing with this time. Because at first there was just so much time, well, seemingly so much time, a few weeks, and so what do I do with that time? It was kind of overwhelming, but now that I'm down to one week to go, I, uh, my options are, are limited in a really, in a really nice way. And I know that I'm going to be freaking out in a few days. Um, and so I decided to make this podcast today because I, I know that I'm not going to have a chance to get out another one probably until January once I'm in Bolivia and sort of settled and have figured out how to plug in my computer without blowing it up. That'll be planning, planning to be real diligent about that, folks, you know, just like take my time, ask a lot of questions, <laughs> um, 
tested on somebody else's computer first, maybe, and uh, and hopefully not fry this little machine of mine. Um, today's episode of the Painting Pictures podcast is brought to you by the Naked Bee, which is a uh, a, a line of of cosmetic and um, hygienic products. <laughs> And the Naked Bee is 70% certified organic. Um, at the Naked Bee, they're, they're working on it. And, and really, do you expect them to find uh, organic sodium benzoate? Or for that matter, organic potassium benzoate? Or organic ethyl hexyl glycerin? Come on. 70% organic is pretty good. So um, thanks, thanks, Naked Bee. Um, we all we enjoy your products, and and um, and it's a little, it's it's kind of uh, exciting to think about a Naked Bee. There's um, there's really nothing much sexier in, in my mind than a than a Naked Bee. I think the only thing sexier than a Naked Bee is like a half Naked Bee. You know what I mean? Cause then you're just kind of you're not seeing the whole good all the goods. You're just getting like a little glimpse. To me, that is even hotter than a naked bee. Um, so that's just a, that is a suggestion for the naked bee. Um, you know, besides trying to up your seventy percent organic, um, you know, maybe think of changing your name to the half naked bee. I want to start off by by giving you guys an update on my teeth. Uh, in a recent podcast, I, I stated my intention to heal the cavities in my mouth through calcium therapy and not eating sugar. Well, then a little while later, I, while eating a gummy bear in a movie theater, I succeeded in yanking... Well, the gummy bear succeeded in yanking a filling out of my tooth, a very large filling, pulled it right out, <laughs> and I was left with a giant gaping hole in my tooth. It was it was rather unsettling and frightening. And although for a, a brief one or two day period I was I was partially convinced that um that that my tooth was actually growing back. Um, I eventually decided to get the cavity filled by a professional dentist, and um, and I got the filling, and and boy, he really shoved it in there, which which was good because you gotta it was a deep cavity, and you gotta you gotta get it all the way in there, you know. They've got whatever muck they they are using as the filling. Um, if you don't force it down all the way in, you're gonna have a little gap, and then you're gonna have issues, and you're probably gonna have to have a root canal which is a disgusting operation I just looked up, and it's basically where they open up your tooth and freaking dig down into the root and remove all of the, uh, remove all of the, like, uh, soft, foamy inside of your root, and then, and then fill the tooth back up. So it turns it into, like, a, kind of like a plastic tooth, I think, instead of, like, a real tooth. Um... Anyway, they they told me that they were uh, 
they're gonna they they would try to fill it first, and then if I still had pain, that I would have to have a root canal. And I was a little bit suspicious of that because, of course, insurance covers cavities, but fillings, but doesn't cover root canals. So the you know root canal just sounds like um, a way for the dentist to make money. But I feeling the force that this young dentist applied with his thumbs, the downward pressure that he put on that filling as he mashed it into my tooth. I felt convinced that he was earnestly attempting to, to fill that cavity and, uh, and, and not create need for a root canal. And so far, so good. The filling feels great. It looks great. I haven't had any pain in the tooth. And so... To all those of you that were sort of looking to me for leadership and inspiration in alternative dental therapy, what can I say? It was a fucking big hole in my tooth. I'm not just going to sit there and, and, and let some hippy-dippy calcium therapy idea try to regrow that tooth. Okay, it's not going to happen. I'm going straight to Mr. Western Medicine Dentist and saying mash your synthetic strange chemical compound into my tooth please and uh because after all it is cookie season folks we're coming up on christmas and that means it's time to make cookies decorate cookies and most importantly shove cookies up your butt <laughs> that's right and sometimes um when your butt gets full you shove cookies into your mouth. And in those times, you're going to need some a good set of chompers to uh, to eat them without getting shooting pains uh, in your teeth. So I, I'm actually considering getting another filling of a much smaller cavity because, um, I don't know, maybe fillings are great. <laughs> you know, uh, chemotherapy works sometimes. It seems ridiculous. And, um, like, just that can't be, that can't be right. <laughs> um, so maybe fillings are, are the answer sometimes too. I'm going to continue swishing calcium infused water in my mouth just, uh, just for a little extra something, something. But I did break down and, and get fillings. Let's take a quick piano break. So my dad purchased a 10-pound piece of butter. comes from Petaluma Creamery in Petaluma, California. It's nice butter, organic cows, or, or I don't know if the cows are, orga are organic. It's organic butter <laughs> from cows. And, uh, you know, it's good butter. It's got good flavor. It's it's probably good for you, but it's unsalted. And um, I, I've been eyeing this block of butter and and finishing up a, a block of Kerrygold salted butter for my toast every morning. I've been eating toast every morning. And uh, 
sort of dreading the the moment when I'm going to have to break into the unsalted butter to put on my toast because that then leads to the, the, the necessity to salt your toast. And to me, this is just a very strange and uncomfortable prospect. And this morning I had to do it. So I, I buttered the toast and um, I took a bite of it just to taste it. And, and what I tasted was butter with no salt. And <laughs> it's clearly needed some salt. And so I took the salt grinder and ground a little bit of salt into my hand, my palm, and then I proceeded to sprinkle it on the toast. Now, this strikes me as, an, as a barbaric activity. Um, I think that salted butter was invented for precisely this reason. Um, what I'd like to point out is um, what food that you're going to put butter on, are you not also going to put salt on? Salted butter to me seems like um, a specialty product for people that or unsalted butter should be a specialty product for people that are allergic to salt or are obsessed with limiting sodium in their diet. Um, I'm I'm just really concerned that unsalted butter is perhaps going to become something of the norm, and people will just say, yeah, you just get unsalted butter, and then you just add salt if you want to add salt. Well, the whole point of salted butter is that you don't have to add salt. It's got just the right amount of salt in it. Now, when I sprinkled this grated fucking salt on my toast this morning, I ended up with some large pieces of salt, some small pieces of salt, and just a sort of inconsistent covering so that then some of my bites were not salty enough and others were too salty. And, um, you know, I, I'm just glad I've only got another week of this bullshit. Where I'm gonna, of course, I'll get better at it. You know, I'll, I'll learn the amount of salt to grate, and I'll probably just um, take more time and discard the large crystals, just throw them away, and use only the small crystals. And so eventually, I'm sure I'll, I'll get the hang of it and get the perfectly salted toast. But, you know, frankly, I've got better things to do than stand in the kitchen picking out large grains of salt. And then carefully, painstakingly, you know, probably going to end up getting like a funnel involved, maybe a little, a little, uh, a little, what's the word? What's the thing? A strainer? Colander. <laughs> a little colander, you know, like a pastry colander so I can shake it and dust the sifter, a sifter. I'll probably need to get a sifter and put the salt in the sifter and then dust it on my toast. And th 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 I've got better things to do. So I just want to encourage everybody to keep buying salted butter. Don't be fooled by this the, the people that are the swindlers that are going to try to sell you unsalted butter as something of an improvement. It's not. It's a step backwards. Um, and and I'm... I just hope we don't take it, you know. As a society, I hope that we keep moving forward, and salted butter is a good thing. A quick kitchen tip for you for chopping garlic. 
I'm sure most of you are familiar with the uh, smashing garlic method, where you take a clove of garlic and you smash it with the flat of your knife before removing the skin. Now, for years, I have peeled garlic in the following manner. I take the clove of garlic and I, uh, I slice the tip both tips of the clove. Now, I don't slice it all the way off. I slice it uh, like through the skin, then through the meat, and then down, and I stop right before the the other side of the skin. And I do that on both sides. And then I take my knife and I smash the clove. And then I cut the clove Long ways, again, slicing not all the way through, and then I peel off the skin. Now, where I got this idea that I needed to sl- carefully slice both ends um, before smashing the clove, I have no idea. I don't know where it came from, um, and then I don't know how I've proceeded with this for this long. I'm sure a lot of people have seen me chopping garlic and how it hasn't been brought to my attention. I have no idea. But recently I discovered, and and I don't even know where the inspiration came from, um, from heaven, it seems, that the, the best way to do it is just to smash that clove of garlic straight off the bat. Take the clove of garlic as it is, put it on the board, smash it with your knife, hard as you want well not i mean you know not all you know a good good hard smash and then simply cut off the ends and it peels so easily it's unbelievable so for anybody that is wondering how to peel garlic please take the clove smash it with the knife then cut off the ends and peel it there's no better way to 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 to, to peel garlic and i hope that i can save you i don't i mean where would i be right now if i had known this earlier i i would be Probably eight or ten hours further ahead in my life that I would have saved overall. Maybe more. I mean, maybe 15 to 20 hours. That's a lot of time. I mean, think think where I would be if I had known how to properly peel garlic and not wasted all this time with the silliness of chopping it slightly first and then smashing it. I'm going to give you another tip for garlic. This is just for um, mincing the garlic cutting the garlic to really release the flavor try using the back of the knife so the knife has the sharp side and then it's got the the other side which you know presumably is not there for chopping but try using that on your garlic and you'll see that it sort of smashes it and pulverizes it in a way that releases all the flavor and you can give it a few good smashes like that down it and then you can go with the sharp side of the knife and cut it up a little bit and you'll find that you get some really good juiciness and if you're like me and you really enjoy the smell of garlic on your fingertips this is the best way to to release as much of that smell as possible and get it all over your fingertips and and you'll probably only have to chop garlic once a week and your fingertips will always smell like garlic sure as many of you do um i'm 
I'm sure as many of you do that I use Gmail. I use Gmail as I'm sure many of you do. <laughs> Gmail is, is Google's email application. And if you're listening to this podcast, um, boy, I would be shocked. <laughs> shocked. If you don't use Gmail. Yes, Gmail came along and, um, and took the world by storm. It was better than any email application anybody had ever seen. And we all happily jumped on board. We were all really excited about how we could just have it be our name at gmail.com could be our email address. Um, it, it, it introduced a wave of, of, uh, Gmail prospecting whereby people would, would secure the account names of all of their potential children's names. And, um, and, and ours is, is the last generation of, uh, of email names or of Gmail addresses that are our first and last names. Because going forward, unless people come up with new names, which I guess they do, um, you know, your, your, your Gmail name address is going to have to have a, a series of numbers after it or be some strange, like reverse your name spelled backwards or something. Um, I of course made the mistake of getting Gabe Roberts at gmail.com because, um, I, I was so identified with Gabe instead of Gabriel. And of course some asshole has Gabriel Roberts and that'd be nice. You know, it'd be really nice to have that, but I'm making do with Gabe Roberts and, of course, Gabe Roberts Art at gmail.com. Which, by the way, if you have any questions about this podcast, go ahead and send an email there. But one thing I've noticed about email or Gmail is sometimes you see the little, uh, little kind of dirty yellow banner at the top that says still working, dot, dot, dot. It's after you click send on an email. And it just doesn't go through right away. It hits some sort of a snag, and so it says, still working, dot, 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 still working. Has anybody ever seen still working resolve itself in message has been sent? I personally have not. I have seen still working 100% of the time lead to the message, uh, something's wrong, <laughs> And then you inevitably just have to reload your page and retry sending the message. So to me, um, Gmail could simply replace still working with something's wrong or please retry. Um, still working seems to me to be a ruse to get you to sit at your computer longer and watch the thing work. I don't think it is working. I don't think it's trying. I don't think it's in process. I think it's it's just broken. Something went wrong. Um, but they want to maintain the illusion, I guess, that they're working on it um, when they're clearly not. I, I just, I've never seen still working uh, lead to resolution. So I'm proposing that Google replace still working with, we're sorry, something went wrong. Just, just give it to us straight, please. Don't, don't try to sugarcoat it. It doesn't make it any better for us to feel like, oh, well, at least they tried and they worked on it for a while. I don't need that, you know. I'm a busy guy. I'm sending out emails, you know, going through my list, and and um, I just don't need to be coddled like that. Give it to me straight, Google. Tell me you fucked up. I respect it. <laughs> I will respect it 
And I'll keep using Gmail because um, I really like how I can just find every, every email and every photo that I've ever sent. And I know you really like that too, Google. I know that you really like that too. Because um, it's just a lot of really good info that they've got. I mean, the best, the absolute best, my whole life. My whole life is there. All of my deep, intimate thoughts and fears and concerns, um, some dick pics. Um, just kidding. I have never sent a dick pic. I, I just want to say that. I, I, to the best of my knowledge, um, I have never sent a dick pic. Um, you know, that's probably not always going to be the case. Surely at some point there will come a time when that seems appropriate, but um, I have sent dick pics like that are a joke where it's like a picture of Richard Nixon and I call it a dick pic, but I haven't actually ever sent a picture of my penis. Uh, I will admit to having photographed my penis uh, once or twice and considered sending a dick pic, but I never have actually sent a dick pic and I, I'm happy about that. I think that, um, I don't think there's any need for it really. I don't think, you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. If you like sending dick pics, you know, maybe that's an important part of your relationship. Um, or, you know, that's just, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I don't mean to make you uncomfortable about your propensity for sending dick pics and i know especially if you if you are someone that enjoys receiving dick pics i in fact knew a girl who collected dick pics and um she would she would request dick pics and she um felt that it was an important you know it was sort of like her trophy case <laughs> um so i get it you know th that's uh if that's your thing, it's your thing. <laughs> I remember <laughs> there is this guy. This isn't about dick pics or about Gmail <laughs> for that matter. Um, I used to work at an office building in San Francisco, and it was one of those big office towers that had a lot of office suites, and they had a little staff of of guys at the front desk that would. I don't know what that what what do they do they you know they work at the building and they they like watch the door and they help with deliveries and wear suit coats and uh there is this one young gentleman in particular that, that worked at the building and i would always say good morning to him and uh and uh we got to talking about jeans one day i think that Maybe I was wearing a pair of jeans. Maybe he complimented me on my pants. I, boy, that oh, it's interesting. I wish I could remember how it started, but I told him that I had gotten them at Crossroads, and he somehow thought that I said cross dress. Now I don't think that that's a store. I don't think that he thought it was a store. But I remember him saying after I had laughingly explained, "No, no, 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 no. crossroads." Him saying uh, that he hadn't thought twice about it because, quote, um, "If it's your thing, it's your thing." <laughs> 
Um, and that's the same for dick pics. If it's your thing, it's your thing. There's nothing wrong with that. But I, I, I just want to be clear um, that I've never sent a dick pic. And um, I don't know why. I don't know why that's important to assert. It really isn't. Maybe I have sent a dick pic. You know what? I take that back. I have sent dick pics. All right? And I, um, why is there stigma against dick pics? I think the world <laughs> needs... No, it really doesn't. It really doesn't. I'm going to actually go back to reassert that I have never sent a dick pic. And um, indeed, I am proud of that. I just don't think it's something worth photographing, honestly. Um, we'll leave it at that. Well, to me, this episode has flown by. I, I don't know how we're already near the end, but I, I want to make a, a note, one last note here. I went to a concert the other evening. It was a choir concert, and it was in a church. And it was some beautiful singing. I really enjoyed it. Um, if I hadn't been sitting in a church pew, I would have been uh, a lot more comfortable and enjoyed it a lot more. But um, as it is, I did enjoy the performance. One thing I noted was, there was, was that there was a gentleman behind me that had a cough. And it, it struck me as a sort of chronic cough. It uh, gave me extra motivation and satisfaction for not smoking cigarettes, you know, which is really, if you're looking for a reason not to smoke cigarettes, you, you can find one. Um, probably just as easy as you can find a reason to smoke cigarettes. But um, listening to this gentleman's cough, it sounded like a sort of chronic cough, and that means a cough that he probably always is dealing with. He's just somebody that's always coughing a little bit. And he was a little ways behind me, and it was pretty distracting because he kept coughing, but he never, he, he, he was trying to be quiet about it. He was trying to suppress his coughs, and so he never really got the cough out. Instead, he just hacked on silently for seemingly the entire concert. He was <laughs> struggling with this cough, and I, I wanted to turn to him and just say, just, just fucking cough. Just cough. Like, we all hear you. Um, just get it over with. Give it a real good cough. Or get up and leave. I mean, honestly, I don't, I don't think, I, I don't, you know, promote discrimination. But, um, if you're going to a, a show that's a, that's of an audio, an oral nature, where everybody is there to, to listen to, something that they've paid money to see. Um, you, you shouldn't have a cough. Okay, if you've got a cough, stay home. Maybe, maybe venues can offer refunds for your tickets because let's just do everybody a favor and keep the coughers out of it. Um, I don't know where this kind of rule could be written, but I would definitely support it. And I think everybody would. And a note for you... Anybody that does have a cough and you end up in a show is just cough. Just cough. Cough as hard as you need to to get that cough out instead of sitting there and coughing away for minutes and minutes and minutes. It was pretty obnoxious. It's pretty obnoxious. Um, it's a wonder that I managed to enjoy myself at all with this hacky McHackerson back there coughing away. Thank you.
Well, there you go, folks. Uh, somehow we've managed to get this far in this podcast. I really have no idea where the time went. I suppose I spent a long time talking about leaves. Um, I hope you got something out of that. It really is important to me. It was a really nice way to start my morning. And I really, I felt so proud to just be parading down the center of the street, rumbling behind me with these huge garbage cans full of leaves, and then to overturn them in my backyard and pull out these rich, steaming, warm piles of leaves. Oh, God, it smells so good. Um, So that's probably, you know, the leaves have fallen now, and, and I'm going to have to just hold that experience in my heart until next fall, where wherever I am, I will be eyeing the streets for green waste buckets. So again, don't let green waste buckets fool you. This whole, the term green waste, it's not waste. Okay, it's all a big trick to make you give up your biomass. And I don't, I don't want any of you listeners to fall for it. There's no such thing as green waste. Okay. It's green stuff that <laughs> can be composted and turn into delicious soil. Um, if you're a plant, you can eat. You know those drawings <laughs> of plants? They drink water and they eat soil. Where they put like faces on plants and show them eating spoonfuls of soil. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? We just have this concept that plants like eat soil. They don't really eat soil. They don't have mouths. The ones that do have mouths don't use them for soil. But they do like soil, okay? It is important. Um, thanks to the Naked Bee, 70% certified organic uh, cosmetics for sponsoring those podcasts. And again, um, one day they'll probably be up to 75% certified organic. But honestly, let's not expect 100% certified organic. All right, that's just... That's just too much to ask. All right, let's be realistic about organics, folks. Um, you're just not going to get 100% organic. You're going to have to accept a little bit of pesticides or herbicides or synthetic fertilizers in everything that you touch and eat. Um, for example, your tampons. A new study just found that 85% of tampacks, tampons, and cotton swabs uh, from the Procter & Gamble Corporation have um, trace elements of Roundup, which is used to kill weeds and probably isn't good for your vagina. But that's just the reality of the world we live in. I want to say a big thank you to everybody that purchased a piece of art. I did a little funding drive to get ready for Bolivia, and it's been a, a success. I'm, I'm nearing, I'm approaching my, my goal, my fundraising goal, of $700 to cover the cost of rent for my residency in Bolivia. If you um, enjoy this podcast, I hope that you'll consider making a donation. Um, it's a really good cause. It's me painting and making this podcast. And I don't, I'm not frivolous. Like, I usually just get one beer at dinner. So you can rest assured that this isn't going to like champagne and hookers. Um, definitely not high priced hookers. And, um, you know, definitely not like the most expensive wine on the menu. So just set your mind at ease. Like I usually just get the house red or the house white. And like I said, low, you know, inexpensive prostitutes, just fine. 
you know, at the end of the day, what's the difference? So if you if you'd like to make a donation, I would be most grateful to you, and I'll send you like a handmade thank you note, probably, except from when I'm in Bolivia, and it'll cost me five dollars to send you a note. Uh, then it'll probably just be an email. But the way you can do it is you can go to GabeRobertsArt.com. That's the website for this podcast. And if you click on the support page, you'll find a shiny yellow PayPal button. And I do mean shiny because it has the graphic with a little like white spot to make it look like a raised shiny button, which it isn't. It's it's just an illusion because it's the flatness of your computer screen. There's no button there, um, and when you push it, the button doesn't even depress. You just get directed to PayPal, where you can enter your credit card information and send me a donation. I would be so grateful, and um, uh, it will allow me to continue having the time to put into making this free audio product for your enjoyment. Uh, another great way, if you get, if you listen to this soon, um, before Christmas, you can purchase a piece of original art from my Etsy shop. All you have to do is go to etsy.com slash shop slash Gabe Roberts art. And there I've got a number of little paintings for sale and people have bought some and um, they're really cool. I've never had somebody complain about a painting that they liked at first and then they don't like anymore. I've never heard of anybody getting a disease from one of my paintings. Um, you know, I've never heard of somebody getting in a fight with one of my paintings. So, um, or of one of my paintings breaking. So it's a good investment. I would be, uh, encourage you to, you know, just, this is the part where I plug things. Okay. Now it's over. Most of all, thanks for listening. Um, the other thing to plug is to rate and review the podcast. Maybe one day this podcast will climb up into the upper echelons of, of, of iTunes. And, um, and then, you know, we'll be big time. But the only way it's going to happen is if you loyal listeners, um, give a rating and write a little review about this podcast. Um, so you can do that on the support page there. On the website, there are instructions. <laughs> God, this is exhausting. I'm sorry. We're done. It's over. Um, I'm going to leave you with with a little bit of piano music. Unfortunately, this... Uh, oh, wait. Maybe I can apply the noise removal to it. Anyway, this is me playing um, a piano piece by Robert Schumann called Amos Wassenkind, which means Lonely Orphan. Thanks for listening, everybody. I really do appreciate wishing you a Merry Christmas. Next time I produce a podcast, it will be from Bolivia, and um, it will be the year 2016, if you can believe it. So Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, um, and a very Happy New Year to all of you from the bottom of my heart. We wish you a Merry Christmas. Until next time, my dear friends, Adios.